Thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast, our movie review episode with your co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello, everyone. I am your other nice co-host, to be here. Cam. I thought you were going to say top of the morning, Kirk. Oh, yes. I came off a little British right there, didn't I? You did. I was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Calibrate, calibrate, calibrate. Rewind. <laughs> Top of the morning to you. Good to see you, Cam. There it is. There's the Irish. Well, as you may have noticed from Kirk's accent and his hair color um, and eye color, we are reviewing an Irish film, a film that takes place in Northern Ireland, a film that was directed by an Irish director, uh, well-renowned, Stage actor, play actor, screenwriter, director, Kenneth Branagh. And that film is Belfast. Belfast. It's available uh, to stream if you're willing to shell out. 1999. It was. It got a limited release in theaters. Uh, did the whole indie circuit. And uh, has been a bit of a difficult one to get our paws around. But we were able to check it out. It is being... Very buzzy, very, very buzzy. Um, with regard to the Oscars, award shows, it's getting lots of buzz and good critical acclaim and, and press. Well, so we had to get a, get our eyes on it, Kirk, right? We absolutely did. Look at that picture. If you're watching on YouTubes, uh, if you're not, go just Google any kind of promotional uh, for this film. I mean, it's beautiful. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah, it is. It's, a, it's really nice, aesthetically, uh, very... Very creative, artistic approach to it. I'm sure we'll talk about it in our review. But Kirk, it's it's actually very fitting that you are the one who's up for synopsis this week for um, a director I know you're very fond of, Kenneth Branagh, and and uh, a film that takes place where your homeland. Though you know Sorry. you were you were born and raised in America, you have Irish heritage. So Kirk, tell us about Belfast. Right. Before we do, I'd like to talk about my heritage. Thank you. I'm so glad you mentioned that. We're going to go back to the 1800s, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Um, strap in. This All is going the to be way a long back. One. I have spent countless hours with my grandfather in front of listening to Ancestry.com, and I have got, wow, a banger for you. <laughs> um, yeah, this is pretty exciting for me. Um, I've always been a fan of Kenneth Brennau before I realized how much Irish is in me. I really should one day find out the percentage. I think that'd be really cool um, because I self-identify as a full Irish person, though I'm surely not, even though my red beard and my blonde hair is a pretty cool feature. Um, I think that one day my goal is to also be um, Kenneth Brennan, like a, young, a younger version of him, because I feel like we have a lot of similar characteristics. Um, I am very much in love with anything he puts out. Um, you're, he's the director of Thor. He was in Hamlet, directed Hamlet, his version of it, and countless, countless other films, much ado about nothing. Um, he's been in, in countless pro- other productions that you haven't seen, Twelfth Night. It just goes on and on again. Um, so this account, the synopsis of Belfast happens in Ireland. Let me read what I wrote down for you. A young boy living in Belfast, which is in Northern Ireland, in the 1960s experiences firsthand the conflicts of the world and how those disputes can shape, grow, and sometimes hurt the ones we hold closest to our hearts. And that is the core of this movie. Uh, It's about family. It's about struggle. It's about overcoming. It's about 
uh, identity, uh, where, where you, where you uh, claim your flag of your homeland and are you willing to move on when it's not safe for you or it's not something that is part, it's going to be a part of you always, but it's not something that can continue to be a part of you right now. And we're going to get deep into all the crazy stuff that was happening in Ireland from the 1960s all the way up into the 90s, which is nuts. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, when I was in high school, I don't know if you if, if everybody had to do this. We had to do it. There was an essay called the Peace Essay in, in high school where you had to write about a, a conflict or two conflicts or something like that and compare them and talk about, you know, how how we can learn from these conflicts and move on and things like that. And I picked the civil war in Northern Ireland between the Protestants and, and the Catholics in Northern Ireland, a uh, civil war that, as you said, Kirk raged on for 30 years and is sort of um, the catalyst for all things in this film. Everything sort of revolves around it. It almost reminds me of that musical, um, the band's visit yeah. uh, where there's this, this one triggering event that happens, but then, there's all these different side stories and narratives going on. Uh, and so it becomes less about that event, even though the event has its, you know, roots and all of that, but it's, it's more about the, all these tiny little relationships and pieces unfolding around it. This movie's sort of like that, but yeah, it was, it was it's a very interesting conflict. Um, but yeah, this movie, it's not a straight line narrative, right? Kirk. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, the story about the ties that bind us, our our right. faith, our our family, our home, our our all of these things that are so universal to the human experience, and um, yeah, it's it's a very interesting movie, and, and we'll get into whether or not it's buzzworthy. You know, it's getting lots of buzz. Does it deserve it, Kirk? Let's start with those acting performances. Um, we do two acting superlatives. The first one is for the best overall actor in the film. That one's called The Oscar Goes To. The second one is called Scene Stealer for the person who was sort of a surprise or, or supporting role that came in and, and stole the show. But Kirk, first, let's start with the Oscar. Who are you giving your Oscar to this week? This one, no-brainer. Catriona Balfi. You have seen her in, uh, most notably, uh, the Outlander series and... Uh, which I forget where it's streaming on right now, but it's very available. I've not watched it myself, but big, big acclaim for that whole series. Um, so Katrina Balfi plays Ma, which is effectively, uh, as this is Kenneth Branagh's semi-autobiographical uh, account of his time in Belfast, uh, his mother. And wow, does she go through a lot a lot. 1960s, very much so in any part of the world, was so patriarchal. And uh, in this particular case, uh, the father is away at work most of the time. So Ma is raising her two boys and still abides by the rules of men. And what you find in this is that she is shaping these men to be men these young these boys to to be able to live their lives as boys and start growing gradually um but also be mindful of their mother and she just balances this so well all the while while she is t you know the the heartbeat of this family she is still um you know guiding conversations and and asking um to break away from these norms that are developed uh within uh, 
the Irish culture, which is very um, not stoic, but very, this is the way that it is. And this is how I'm going to be. Uh, she just, just cuts right through that because she says, no, there's more for us. And yes, we were, we've, we've been born in Belfast. We've been, we've raised ourselves in Belfast, but it's time to move on from Belfast look around. And she is the, the cat. She's not the catalyst, but she's the catalyst within the family to say, no, we're not going to do this anymore, which causes a lot of conflict from these these homelanders who say, no, this is this is where we stay. Um, this is an island. This is this is where our home is. We must stay here. We must, we must support the community. I can go three doors down and I know every single person in that house. I can go six doors down and I know who lived there for the past 45 years. She is such a a fantastic character and you can see uh, that Kenneth Brenau really wrote her with such um, such love for her uh, and for what she had to go through as the mother to hold this family together through these rising conflicts uh, of, of uh, Protestants versus Catholics. Um, so bravo. Uh, Katrina Balfi, you're you're an incredible actress. I'm ashamed that I haven't seen you in more. I've only seen you in a few things and top of my list, this performance in recent memory. Yeah, Katrina Balfi, uh, around this time, uh, must have been 2019, we were reviewing Ford versus Ferrari, and right. she appeared in that film and, and, and got our scene stealer for her performance. Both of us uh, actually gave <laughs> awesome. Katrina Balfi our scene stealer um, for her performance in that movie, which is very, you know, pretty small in terms of dialogue, but really impactful. Um, this role was not small in dialogue, but she also got my pick in, in a cast that's been really lauded for, for great performances, and there were many to choose from. Katriana Balfi steals, steals the show and, and was the best overall actor. There's one scene in particular for me that really sealed it, and it's when um, she's, she's talking to her husband about whether or not they can leave Belfast, and, and she's you know she sees the logic behind leaving she sees the violence that's happening she sees the fact that her husband's always gone and 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 with the violence that's going on it's better to have the family together and you know safe and and things like that um but she can't she can't pull the trigger on leaving her home And, and and as she's talking about it you can tell that she is um grasping at justifications for her argument because she just wants to be home and there there really is no other reason that she just wants to be home so she's pulling out reasons that that sound logical but she keeps she's scraping the bottom of the barrel and she's realizing like you know it doesn't have to be logical it's my home it's my home and 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 the she never says anything like that but you could feel it uh, because her performance is so powerful and she was so in touch with her character she was able to deliver that message um non-verbally and and with her emotional performance and with the way that she was able to deliver those lines it was clear what she was trying to say without ex- expressly stating it and and there were so many other great scenes but that was her oscar moment it really was it was it was it was the scene that they show if you're nominated you know the big scene where she's talking to jamie dornan um who plays her husband and uh i was just blown away it was it was breathtaking and then again whenever she tells her family after the you know the sort of the climax uh, the riot scene where you know her son uh played by judah hill is basically held at gunpoint <laughs> you know they're being threatened with their lives and they get out of it and she says you know aunt and uncle are coming and then we're, we're packing up 
we're going. And, and she can't believe that she's hearing herself say it, but she knows that it's the only thing to say. Um, powerful stuff. Uh, and it's stuff that everyone can relate to. And that's what makes it so powerful. But um, the realism, the, the, the authenticity that she breathes into the performance is what, what makes it such a, a human leveling type experience and, and why she did a really incredible job. I think she's going to continue to get lots of work in this industry. Um, to your point, Kirk, we haven't seen her in much yet, but um, the credits are going to start racking up here soon because her resume is impressive. And this is another feather in her cap and could, and could earn her a real Oscar nomination, not just one of our uh, <laughs> Oscar nominations here on this podcast. We're manifesting it right That's now. Right. This is it. We we started small with Scene Stealer. She's got the Oscar from our books now. And tomorrow morning, she's going right. to get the nomination. Yeah, that's right. Um, all right, Kirk. Let's talk about Scene Stealer. Let's talk about the rest of these cast members. And if there was one person who stood out with a surprising or, you know, just just a real popping performance, something that popped off the screen for you, what, what, do, you, what do you got? I said it just a moment ago is that you can tell from all this writing that again, Kenneth Branagh wrote this, uh, this whole screenplay as well um, that we have, you know, just absolute love pouring out for mom and what, and what she had to go through and her decisions um, that made the final uh, finally, yep. Pack your bags. We leave. Let's go. Um, there's an admiration for, for dad and for pop, but man, the love of, of an Irishman for the maternal sense in his, uh, life is so palpable. And my scene stealer has to go to Judy Dench. Dame Judy Dench, uh, plays granny and they do this incredible thing. Uh, and by the way, I mean, Kenneth Branagh does this incredible thing where there are all these windows strategically placed for the mise-en-scene of this, uh, of this story in the fact that people are standing in front of windows. They're either in it or outside of it. They're either listening or being heard or they're either being uh, listened to or not being heard. And so often we have uh, Judy Dench as the granny, as this um, just this well of wisdom because she's lived there forever. She has the most knowledge seemingly, um, even though she's going through a brand new tumultuous time with the family, she has, this grounding to her um, that she is just taking in all the information while everyone is discussing and while everyone else is learning, honestly, maybe she's been through something similar or she's ready to provide that wisdom. And then of course she is ready to talk. (laughs) She'll she'll, uh, throw her head inside the window. She'll keep on. I think she's either knitting or crocheting or eating at any given moment. And she'll just start talking. She's like, well, this is, this is the way it is. And you shouldn't do that, but you should do this. And just, absolutely stunning in so many ways that we just watch her listen, watch her carefully um, respond with no words at times, specifically um, they're going uh, buddy, uh, the main character, the boy, AKA Kenneth Branagh as a child is going with granny, taking her to the movies. And he's asking her about the, the different types of things that she wants to be and, and riding on a flying car <laughs> and all these fun, very fun, whimsical things. And, I mean, she does some some things that I didn't know were possible with your face uh, that are absolutely brilliant to see on screen. So uh, Judy Dench, I'll talk about her all day. She gets my scene stealer today. Well, Kirk, it's a good pick, and it must be ladies' night uh, tonight <laughs> <laughs> on the podcast because I'm going with Dame Judy Dench as well. I mean, one of the best to ever do it. That goes without saying. I mean, she's played so many iconic roles uh, throughout her 
illustrious career, one of the most decorated actors that we have, and, and, a, and a true pro's pro. I mean, somebody who just really exemplifies what it means to be a performer and who understands all of the minutia of acting. I mean, she's always putting on a clinic anytime she's on the screen. And this was an interesting uh, performance for her. I know that Kenneth Branagh and Judy Dench have worked together tons and tons of times, so she was sort of the no-brainer pick here. Um, but, you know, she wasn't given a ton of time to shine. She didn't have that Oscar moment that we were talking about here. You know, she didn't have her big moment, her big um, monologue or, or anything like that. But her strength, Kirk, is really sort of what you talked about in her responses. Nonverbal, verbal, um, She's a lot of time the scene partner uh, in which the person who is having their moment is playing off of her, and she's just elevating it to the next level with her incredible performances. There are two scenes in particular where I think that this happens. Uh, the first is with uh, her husband, and he, and they're sort of reminiscing about the old days, and, and he's talking about, uh, you know, if... He, his husband, the husband's talking about how, uh, you know, people look at me and they wonder if my heart's ever skipped a beat because I'm old. They don't remember that I'm young and, and they're sort of sharing their love and affection for each other. And Judy Dench is doing this very real granny like, uh, thing where she's, you know, sort of pushing him down, like being like, Oh, stop. Don't be like being bashful and, and kind of jabbing at him as old couples sort of do just sort of giving each other a hard time. But also they're, they're sharing this romantic moment and she makes it clear in her performance that, you know, for her character, like this is the height of romantic conversation. She's like, this is great. You know, he's, you know, he's gushing his love for me. Uh, even though we're, we're too, you know, old folks who've been together for a very long time, but there's still this very real love and, and she just delivers it beautifully there. And then again, uh, with, with her grandson, the scene you talked about Kirk, where, uh, you know, the young Kenneth Branagh buddy, he is talking to her about chitty, chitty, bang, bang and taking her to the movies and things like that. And, you know, as you said, the nonverbals are just off the charts. And then she's left as the final line of dialogue in the film is delivered by her, even though she never got her big moment to shine. She delivers this really stinging, piercing uh, human moment where it's like, oh man, she's watching her family leave. She knows that it has to happen, but now she knows she's going to die in Belfast alone without her family. And while she knows it's right, it hurts. It hurts so bad and, and it hurts so good. And all of these, it's just such a complex and emotionally rich and human thing. And, and, and Judy Dench was just perfect. Um, delivering it. I, I, I was blown away. So she's my scene stealer, even though she really didn't get your prototypical moments to steal the show. She still managed to do it because she is one of the best ever. She did. I think she actually is just Kenneth Branagh's mother. I mean, because how <laughs> did she do that? How yeah, in the it's world? incredible. It is incredible work. Incredible let me work. let me break the rules here. I want to give an honorable mention uh, uh -oh. stealer to Mr. Jude Hill, who plays Buddy. Yes, um, it was it was difficult to leave him out, um, but he's very young and he has lots of opportunity to win this with our very uh, prestigious awards here on popcorn for breakfast. I think um, particularly the scene where they tell him that, that they're moving uh, and you have him crammed in between mom and ma and pa. And he just starts crying immediately. Like no 
hesitation. No, it was so authentic. And I was just completely blown away. Uh, crying on cue is one of the most difficult things to do. Um, and he, he, he nailed it. And so many other parts in this where, where you're just really just glued to him. So bravo to Mr. Jude Hill. Yeah, it's a good call. Uh, first big movie performance for the young Jude Hill and and well, really well done, really good work. Um, all right, let's talk about the movie a little bit more and talk about some things outside of the acting performances that blew us away or, or maybe some things that we had marks on. So let's start with the good news. Um, Showstopper, Kirk, what was the thing that, that stuck out to you about this movie? Man, there are so many options. <laughs> I already talked about the windows and the mise-en-scene with the placement of those and the characters. Um, the The showstopper that I'm going with is that uh, how the the conflict of the uh, the Catholicism versus Christianity was so it was taken care of so well where we were intrigued the entire film. Um, I feel like that's a very easy thing to just say. Eh, it's happening in the background and we're really going to focus on this family. But the way it was interspliced with the narrative in a very intentional way, because it was real, <laughs> uh, very, very, uh, a lot easier to do that uh, upon uh, years and years of reflection that kind of the print has had and to make it its own um, weight in any given moment of the film. So it doesn't just disappear. It's always there. It's always lingering there. It's always um, this, uh, not, not a pressure cooker because uh, I'll talk about that later, but it's, it's just always there, always present. And I think that was very well done in such a, a movie that is very much a character study to be able to have ultimately it ultimately is a feel good movie, even though your heart is ripped out of your chest a couple of times. Uh, so that again, that through line with handling the troubles as it, as it's referred to the civil war uh, over in Ireland uh, because of this, this religious uh, fight. I think it was really, really extremely well done. It could only be done by someone from a native who was going through it. Yeah, it's a good call. Um, and it's a complex thing, uh, I think, too. It's it's a, you know, civil conflicts are very complicated in general because typically what drives them are things that people can't help. You know, like you're born into a Protestant family. You're born into a Catholic family. <laughs> and and now you're at war, right, with each other over, over these things that have happened. Or, you know, we every civil conflict at its root really comes down to things that can't change, kind of. And that's why there's war. You know, like, if you look at, like, the American Civil War, obviously the issue of slavery, but most of the people who were slavers, you know, at that time were born into generation and generation of, of slavers, and they were born in the South. So it became a South right. versus North thing. Um, it's oftentimes these ties, again, the ties that bind us that we don't have as much control over it. And obviously there are people who you know, in, in our civil war who were like, slavery is bad. Great. Good on them. You know, like, mm -hmm. but there were lots of people also in the South who were fighting that were not necessarily pro slavery, but were just like pro the South or whatever. Um, right. These are complex issues. So to, to, to have this as the central story and to know that there is just such a complex, deep, um, you know, divide and, 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 and so many details that are almost hard to comprehend. It's ambitious, but it also, it also worked really well to your point, Kirk. I think it really helped tie things together and, and was sort of the perfect event to sort of 
gradually escalate the tension in the film and to help show you why the mom is under so much stress, why the dad is under so much stress, how it looked from the kid's perspective. Like it's all, um, it, it really helps to understand the family dynamics and, and relationship dynamics going on in the movie too. So I think that's a great call out. Um, my scene stealer, or sorry, my showstopper is Kenneth Branagh's ability to preserve the childlike wonderment, uh, the childlike, uh, you know, gaze, I guess. The, the, the way that a child sees and, and feels things, he was able to sort of perfectly freeze, like cryo-freeze that feeling and turn it into a film without, without any noticeable adult tweaking of that you know a lot of times when you when you look back at things from when you were a kid you're like man i remember my dad was like a superhero to me and you go well that was just because i was a kid or i remember this that or the other this way but then you go oh that was just because i was a kid what kenneth Branagh does is he takes this and and truly tells it through the lens of a child um he truly tells it from that angle literally that angle at times uh cameras looking up at you know, hero shots on the mom and the dad because they, I mean, when you are a kid, your parents are superheroes and even when you're an adult too, but I mean, they are, you think they are like really superheroes when you are are a kid and um, this, the way that he used films and how films are in black and white and sometimes in color because they're like this different world or the stage show is in color because it was this different world and that's how he remembers it. Um, But the reason the movie's in black and white is because, he has such a close tie to um, film, and that's you know that's why he's a director now. So when he looks back on his past, it's really like a movie. It's like an old movie to him, and that's the stylistic choice there. Um, he does a really good job of tying that together, and and he really doesn't. He he. It's almost like he went through the creative process and didn't like fact check his younger self. He was like, yep, this is how I remember it. And that's how it was. That's exactly how it happened. And the thing that I think is the most impactful in a movie where you don't have a straight line narrative, you have all these different subplots and stories that are unfolding sort of at the same time. He uses this effect of slow motion whenever there is what we would, you know, thanks to Inside Out, modern internet lingo would call it like a core memory. He uses slow motion to show these moments that he remembers impactfully as a kid. The bus driving away from the bus station, his dad throwing the cinder block through the air, um, certain parts of the stage shows or movies. Uh, Whenever he gets the higher marks on his math test and he's walking to his new seat in the class, he uses the slow motion effect to show that like, I remember all this stuff, but those are the things that stick out. Those are the core memories. Those are the moments that are important. And it helps as a viewer. Um, Those are mile markers for you to go, okay, that's an important thing for me to grab onto. That's going to matter later. Or that's something that's just overall important to the point that the director is trying to make. Um, If you haven't seen the movie and you heard that, you might feel like, oh, that sounds cheesy or that feels like heavy handed, but it's not, it's, it's really smooth and it works really well. And it's a really effective narrative tool in a movie where there's not much of a straight line narrative to follow, which sometimes makes people squirm in their seat a little bit. So I thought that all of that was really well done. It was truly like watching a movie that was 
created for the screen by Kenneth Branagh as a child. So it's it's pretty impressive. It is. It is. Yeah, the the childlike memories. The I love how you said it. Cryogenically frozen, <laughs> and then just like picks them up and drops them in. Man, it's. It's it's like it's like in Harry Potter where where they pull out the memories and they have like the memory pool whatever yeah, that thing is called it's like or something like that. That's yeah. right. I'm just going to toss this into the film and that <laughs> it's so good, beautifully said. All right, let's jump over to the other stuff. Uh, let's talk about our notes for director and writer Kenneth Branagh on his film Belfast. Well, I don't have a lot because again, I do want to play a younger version of him someday. Yeah, you don't want to uh, get in his bad side, right? <laughs> Right, right, right. Or his stand-in, whatever it might be. I'm there for it. Uh, Hopefully we're about the same height. Um, I have to say that the only thing that was missing for me is that there wasn't that pressure. There wasn't a a bigger version or um, the pressure cooker feeling of we're going to we're going to be in real danger. Like we're already in a dangerous situation, but we're going to get into the thick of it. And by the time you get to that final conflict, when, uh, when buddy is about to be killed essentially, and the cinder block comes and, and gets, uh, gets tossed over there, you know, it's at that moment, you should be like actually scared that buddy might die. And I guess there's a dichotomy there because you're like, well, no, he's not going to die. Cause his dad's going to save him. His dad is the superhero. Right. Um, but, there should have been a little bit more panic because the timing on that scene was well done. Uh, the turn of the corner, the, 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 the entrapment that you have there uh, in just the, the tiny town street. And it should have been um, a little bit more dangerous, I should say. Anyway, I just didn't get the full danger by the time we got to that scene. However, it still played well. Uh, I just would have liked a little bit more um, take my breath away uh, from Mr. Kenneth Brenow in that moment. Very small. That's all I got. Yeah, I think, I think for me, um, it it's similar. There, there is definitely that. There is definitely this sense of like, the danger is there, but it never really feels like it's mounting, 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 and then it's on your doorstep. It feels like, okay, there's this thing going on. You kind of forget about it. It's mentioned. It's mentioned. It's in the background. And then it's like, boom! It's like about to kill us. <laughs> you know, like that. There's definitely that. Um, so I agree with you on that one. I would say for me, mine is probably just the overall, and it's a short movie. It's, it's right around like an hour 40 or something like that. It's, it's paced pretty well. So it's not necessarily a momentum thing. There's just like, there's not a sense of, I don't know, urgency in the storytelling in the sense of like, we have to resolve all of these things in the narrative. Like, it's it's really in this weird space where it's like not totally a portrait pick. It definitely leans more that way to being like, this is a snapshot in my life. And it's not totally a narrative. It's kind of in this like gray area right in between there where like you, in a portrait pick, you feel like there are plots here, but if they don't get resolved, it's whatever. Because it's a portrait pick. It doesn't matter like, we're just trying to figure out what's going on at this time in life and, and kind of we're just along for the ride. In a narrative, you're like, I need answers to these questions. In this one, you don't really have the urgency to get answers to the questions, but it, it also feels like, what are all of these subplots for then? You know, like it, it, it doesn't know. I feel like at times it doesn't know exactly what it wants to be. And maybe that's just because 
Um, and this is like, again, I want to stress, this is super nitpicky. This isn't like a super critical error because I, I think the movie plays really well and is engaging and things like that. Um, but it's like, if I paused in the middle of that movie and left it, I wouldn't feel this like nagging at me to go back and finish it because it's just kind of like, Oh, okay. This is interesting. You know, like it's enough to keep you engaged, but not enough to make you want to come back to it, if that makes sense. So it's like, as a child, that's kind of how your memory is. Like you remember some things that are super important and other things that are not. So maybe that is a stylistic choice, but I just got the sense that, um, I want to feel the need to finish the thing out. And in this one, I didn't, um, I just felt like, you know, I'll pause it. I'll come back to it, kind of watch it in chunks, etc. And it worked really well for that. And it's still a really engaging movie. It just wasn't, um, there wasn't a level of urgency to get to a resolution because I, I wasn't really like yearning for a resolution. If that makes sense. It's, it's kind mm-hmm. of weird. I, I, it's, it's hard to put my finger on it, but um, no. Uh, and uh, to speak to the, the other side of that sword is that, you know, Irish people are not always in a big hurry or in any kind of urgency. <laughs> I mean, it took them 30 years to solve the civil war. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh my goodness. No, that's true though. That is true. Yeah. To, to, if you pause it, yeah, you're not like, like pushing people out of the way, knocking them down to get back to, back to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, really, I think there is a dichotomy between a straight line narrative and a portrait pick. Portrait pick yep. is like, this is what life was like in the sixties in Ireland. You know, if that was the movie that, that if this movie was a portrait pick, that's what it would be. If it was a straight line narrative, it would be like, here's the story of how my family left Northern Ireland as a result of the civil war that was going mm-hmm. on and the violence. And this movie really isn't either. It just kind of is a combo. And right. so, um, it is hard to figure out emotionally where you're at at times in that mix and what you want as the viewer, like what you're hoping for and what you want the film to deliver. Um, What it delivers, you're ultimately satisfied with Kirk to your point. Like it is a feel good, even though there are sad pieces to it. There are parts that are like scary and, and and there are parts where there's conflict, but you, you ultimately leave it going. That was a cool human thing. (laughs) <laughs> I don't even want to say story, but it's just a cool human experience that, that Kenneth Branagh was able to share. So it's interesting, but enough about that. Let's get into final thoughts and scores on Belfast. The other thing with this movie is that you have a lot of care to it. You have, uh, something, um, as a guess, I'm going to say 90% of the main cast is actually from Belfast, uh, was either born in Belfast or was born and raised in Belfast or spent a significant part of their um, childhood in Belfast. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, we have the soundtrack from uh, Van Morrison, a Belfast native, a uh, big, big musician there that a lot of people know that name, Van Morrison. Um, we have, if you look again at the picture, if you're not watching on the stream, uh, it's the picture of him with his shield and his sword. Of course, Kenneth Brennell played Hamlet um, in the film Hamlet, where he got to realize his his Shakespearean love and become that character so he's he's uh, he's putting all of these little uh, breadcrumbs to his life in this um, he picks up a Thor comic for for crying out loud and he's looking through it yeah, he directed Thor uh, and Thor was was in the comic book store at the time it's just all over the place uh, just a wonderful well-rounded uh, film um, that 
I will buy on March 1st. It comes out on DVD. I'm going to get the 4K resolution to see that beautiful black and white splash against my screen. And it's going to be something I replay uh, very often, uh, very often. And uh, I just, I can't speak any enough good things about this film that make you want to cling your family a little bit tighter and appreciate um, not only the, the amazing times the the fun times uh those those kind of those harder times and when you when you grow a little bit more from it uh from a conversation after an argument or an ultimate decision that you don't know if it's right uh and then you have to make a decision and and move forward um this movie is really powerful really powerful and um, i'm so happy that it's in our lives i'm giving this a 9.8 out of 10 kernels holy moly that's a big score that's a big, big, big score. Big one. Is it your pick for best picture? Absolutely. All right. My thoughts. Uh, so this movie really has something for everyone. It really it is so much of a cathartic human exhibition, more so than anything. No matter who you are, where you come from, what your experiences are, I feel like there is something for you in this movie um, because there are all different archetypes of people. There are different motivations and stories and, and um, you know, none of these stories is going to be your story, but there will be pieces of each person's story and of each person's feeling feelings that will feel real to you. You may have experienced it personally. You may have known someone who experienced it um, and it makes for a really authentic, genuine um, heartfelt type of film uh, it's a it's a cathartic experience. It's a it's a worthwhile experience. You know, you'll laugh, you'll cry, <laughs> all of the cliches. It really does have have something for everyone. And this is exactly the type of movie that um, the Academy has really loved in recent years. Something that people can just really connect with. Um, and I think that you know there are obviously tons of people that have no idea what happened in Northern Ireland in the 1960s. And and this film is a totally Irish you know, white cast that, you know, like it's, there will be people who have no, they, they won't see themselves on the screen in this movie, but the stories and, and the human element is very real and, and very well preserved. And the child element is, is I think somewhat universal in nature, even though these memories won't feel like your memories, it, you will be able to say, I remember when I was a kid and, and, and how I, thought about things and and this is this feels like a kid telling a story um it's really cool it's it's artistically sound uh really good attention to detail and reason for it like sometimes you see something and you're like why is it in black and white um (laughs) you know is that just because they're like this is an art house movie but no i mean the cinematography the color palette um no, no artificial lighting in this movie. As far as I understand it, they used almost entirely natural lighting because the production budget was so low on it. It's a very like artistically sound, but also very real down to earth, um, accessible type of movie. And, and I think there's just, it, it brings a lot to the table and it has a lot to offer. My score is also in the nines. Um, I think it has a really good shot at best picture. Um, my only pitfall for it is just, you know, it doesn't have the highest of highs or the lowest of lows. It it, it just kind of, you know, it, it is in the middle of a few things. Like it, it's it's in the middle of conflict and um, 
family bonding type story. It's in the middle of portrait pick versus uh, a straight line narrative. It just kind of is like a strange hybrid movie. And so for that reason, it, it's, it's a little bit of an interesting watch, but I think it's definitely a worthwhile watch. And um, for that reason, I'm giving a 9.2 out of 10. Um, so both of us in this, in the nines for Belfast, and I think it will do very well at the Academy Awards and def- definitely has a fair shot at taking home the big one. So we'll see if it gets nominated tomorrow morning. Date of recording on this is Monday, February 7th. So the Oscar noms drop tomorrow as we're recording this. But we'll see. We'll see if it gets nominated. Or maybe by the time this podcast releases, we'll have egg on our face because it didn't get a nod. We'll see. I don't think we that'll happen. Don't think that'll happen, Cam. I think I it's going to be right at the top of the list. Yeah. I think it has a very good shot. I think it has a very good shot at, at getting yeah. a nomination. It's one of my locks. It's one of my locks for, for Best Picture. So Yeah. And we'll then see. people will say, they say, I've never seen Belfast. Never seen that black and white film. Yeah. And they say, oh, how did that film win? They say, oh, check out Popcorn for Breakfast. They talked about it a wee bit ago. <laughs> you should listen to their podcast and give them lots of money. I think that's how it'll go. If they talk like that, I would bet they have seen the movie. Because any movie called <laughs> Belfast would really, really make an, uh, someone with a thick Irish accent like that really want to check yeah. it out, I would think. Yeah, and I'm Dutch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I lots of yas going on. I was like, wait, wait, German? Swiss? What's happening? What are we doing here? <laughs> I'm, I'm losing it. I'm losing it. Uh, but that's Belfast. That's the, you know, I, I, I wouldn't call it the best picture front runner, but I think it's one of the films that people consider, myself included. Maybe, maybe people don't, but I feel like, and you feel like, uh, it's one that's, going to be nominated i felt like that right after i watched it i was like this is a lock for a nomination right up there with the power of the dog dune west side story i think those are the ones that are really like locked in but we'll see tomorrow if we are correct and we'll see in april march uh if it if it wins the big one so march march a full month later than what it was for 92 years yeah yeah that's right that's right (laughs) we shall see it'll be very interesting it's that time of year it's oscar season we're going to try to get to all of them for you here on the podcast all the best picture noms we'll try to review as many as we possibly can but until our next review we'll leave you by thanking our executive producer ryan spriggs as well as his band rhetoric you're hearing their music right now we will see you next week talk to you then 